What's up, everybody? It's Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads. And with me, I have Jake Payne, our editor-in-chief. And together, this is our What's the Headline podcast. What's happening, man? What's going on, man? It's the uh, the episode we always say we might not do, but we still end up doing, and we both enjoy it so much. I'm not going to lie, man. You force me to do this every single year. <laughs> every year. But I understand the value. And, you know, listen, after doing the research and reading up and looking at our competitors, uh, I'm glad we do it, too, because I think we give shine to people who are very deserving, who don't get props sometimes in mainstream publications, who get overlooked by others. But I, I think um, I, I stand by our list against anybody's, you know? Yeah, I feel that way. And and both you and I, in the almost 10 years we've worked you know, together, as well as all the places, you know, our careers have been beforehand in, in various capacities of media. The one thing, you know, as much as we joke each other, joke around with each other or say that, you know, oftentimes we like different things on the same album. You and I are two people that I think really get a cross section of hip hop. You know, we, we talked about it recently, like gangster rap, we like conscious rap, underground, mainstream, um, and a lot of the lists that I see out there and a lot of the publications anymore tend to be very niche. And that's not a diss. That's just the makeup of what a brand is. And one of the things that I think is great about Ambrosia for Heads is, you know, you can't pin us into one corner. We kind of represent all things in hip hop and these lists in any year are reflective of that. So I, I especially enjoy it. Yeah, one thing I'll say, too, is, you know, we didn't include any on this year's list, but I think we can talk about it toward the end, is that we often also kind of deviate from things that we've covered on the site. You know, we're very aware of what the AFH brand stands for, and, uh, you know, there's certain things that might be of high quality, but just don't align with the brand. But there have been times with these album of the year lists where we've gone outside and said, listen, we haven't covered this particular song or album but we think it's something that's great in hip hop and needs to be recognized. And we do want that associated with our brand. I think about Travis Scott's album, um, you know, with, with Astro World on it. Um, uh, with um, you know, that that album is the one um, is one of the ones that I think we we did that. We've done that sometimes with with others that we haven't covered. But like you know, I think it's important to do that too. We covered, you know, Astroworld within the site, not as extensively as the other albums on that list. And, and you know, one of the things, again, that I like about AFH, and it, it can be confusing for um, folks in the media or folks that follow the site closely, is we have all different touch points. You know, you and I may discuss an album or a song or an artist on the podcast that doesn't get a story necessarily on the site for whatever reason. There's, you know, we recently, in kind of remembering, um, you know, Takeoff, you know, AFH had had talked about Migos on the site, but it also supported them even more recently on the playlist. And it's not like we're devoting, you know, site posts or huge parts of our podcast. So there's all these different ways. And if if you pay close attention and you follow this brand and all of its facets, you'll notice that, you know, we kind of cover it all to different points. And even even our playlist at times will have, you know, some some, you know, R&B adjacent rap and different things like that. So absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. So, yeah, uh, all jokes aside, you know, I think this is one of my favorite times of the year because we can go back, take stock and reflect on the year that's been. And, you know, I'm always surprised. I don't know about you. I'm always surprised when I go back at just how strong the years are. You know, as you go through, you kind of take it for granted. You forget about some things. 
But um, when you really sit down and focus, and for me, this has been about a month long process. I want to talk about that. So, you know, we typically will start dropping stuff in our document, you know, real time as it comes out. This is a contender. This is a contender for the list. And we'll end up with what, like 30, 40 or so that we uh, we parse down? Absolutely. Yeah. And and we've have some of those discussions transparently on the podcast too of like, you know, I can remember in February and March talking about albums of like, hey, this is the best album we've heard so far this year. And, you know, here we are nine months later, 10 months later, and, and some of those albums we're not going to be discussing today. It doesn't take anything away from them, but it is a living, breathing, evolving year. Yeah. And, you know, we'll debate even like kind of real time. And like Jake said, we often uh, like the same albums with different parts of it. There's sometimes when we do have albums where one of us isn't checking for, but I'll say that that many times, probably more times than not, by the time the year is over, once we've gone back and re-listened, we kind of gravitate more toward each other in, in that regard too. So, you know, I've spent the last month really listening to at least 40 albums uh, really intensively over the last couple of weeks because the last thing I want to do is leave something out that's deserved to, to get recognition. Uh, I don't like doing that for the artists. I don't like, like doing that because people call us out. I want us to be comprehensive and really, um, really be on point. So in addition to that, you know, my process is re-listen, go back. Um, I will look at other people's uh, year-end list too, see if there's anything that I've missed. If, if so, then I'll go and I'll listen to that as well. Factor that in, you and I compare notes, but what, what's your process typically? Very much the same. I mean, usually on January 1st, every year, I've always start a draft in my emails that, you know, I have, it, now I don't even number it, but I just start keeping track of the albums. And I do that, you know, I'm a sports fan, as are you, like, I like the idea of playoffs, I like the idea of you know, some pay dirt, some somewhere where you have the discussion of what was the best this year. But I also do that because probably like you, I mean, there's so many times where I'm, whether I'm catching up, you know, with friends from high school or college or just my heads, my 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 people that I like to discuss hip hop with, we always have that moment of like, yo, what have you been checking for lately? What's good this year? What's good recently? And I always like to have a thoughtful album, two or three to re recommend to somebody. So it's all part of that. And then absolutely, yeah, by November 1st, it's time to start going back and and, and re-listening to everything. Yeah, and I, I think it's educational too, because dude, we're just all overwhelmed. There's so much stuff out there all the time and not just music competing with TV and film and TikTok and sports and whatever that inevitably some stuff falls through the cracks. So I think it's a great way to kind of showcase some, some new stuff for people too. Absolutely. So before we get into the particulars, are there trends or themes or ideas that you think really set 2022 apart from other years we've done this or just other years in hip-hop yeah one of the biggest ones for me is that this is the year of kind of the comeback and i don't even want to say comeback you know like ll said uh, i'm not going to call it a comeback i'm going to say the return there are a lot of artists who've come back after or returned after long stints away you know think about kendrick who's gone for five years absol was gone for six years um, uh, Black Star was gone for 23 years. There've been a lot of artists who, and Joey Badass, five years, who've been gone for five years and change, who decided that 2022 was the year for their return. I find it interesting. You know, I think that the pandemic 
definitely played a role in a part for some folks, but still like, you know, a lot of people came back in 2021. I'm wondering what it was about 2022 that made people say, you know, it's time. Um, you know, part of me is, I don't want to be cynical and say that it was just about touring. Cause as we know, most artists make most of their money from, uh, from touring and 2021 was a little bit dicey. You know, there was a lot of COVID uh, stuff still going on and um, concerts were being canceled or postponed. So maybe 2022 that opened up, but, but what do you think was the reason behind that? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you said a lot right there and this year, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm currently, you know, um, staying at my mom's place for the holidays right now. And I'm remembering what it was like a year ago, just the, the, the pomp and circumstance of wearing masks and even taking them off once you're inside, like so much has changed and the way that concerts have worked, the way that, you know, live events like the Grammys are getting back to what they were. Um, the stakes are back. I think you're right, but I do a hundred percent agree with this idea of um, taking time away and coming back. I think one of the greatest luxuries an artist can have right now is the ability to take time. I mean, on one hand, I know a lot of artists over the last five plus years have really become algorithm driven of like, yo, I can put out a project every month or four albums a year, whatever I can do to keep my name going in these DSPs. And, and on one hand, that's a great way to make an introduction. But there's certain artists, you just mentioned a few of them that have the ability to be missed, to be anticipated to come back and have it really mean something with a, a real hallmark album of what's been going on in their lives. And I think that that's a trend that will continue. And I think it's really good for hip hop because I do think for as great as quantity is every Friday and Tuesday, um, to your point, I mean, we're all inundated and I want to see some of the artists that are capable of really meaningful, everlasting bodies of work have the space to really create those projects. Yeah. So what are the themes, some of the things that stuck out for you? Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of MC producer albums. And I mean, that's nothing new. You look at the 90s, Gangstar and Pete Rock and CL Smooth and, you know, so on and so forth. But we're starting to see more and more artists come together um, and make meaningful work. And, you know, in recent years, I mean, um, Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist got nominated for a Grammy. You know, we've watched the Murs and the Ninth Wonders. But this year, when I look at these albums, there's a lot of that. And then on the other hand, there's kind of these... Travis Scott's a good example so is Drake there's these albums that have you know 30 people involved there might be five single producers on the same song and it's an interesting dichotomy of on one hand you have one artist one person and on the other you have these major ensembles um, so not new trends but just something I'm aware of because it seems like those two worlds are winning at the same time and they're actually competing with one another um, I would say those are the big ones and then you know, sequels are back in a big way. I mean, we've, you know, we've seen sequels for a long time. Nas was still Matic, the whole Carter series with Little Wayne, so on and so forth. But now artists are coming back and they're making sequels that aren't putting them in the box of like, let me go back and give you this thing that worked for me X amount of years ago, but let me, let me be interpretive with it. You know, let me, if my album was called this, let me call it that and let you know what I've been up to. And I think that's fun for the fans. And I think those those confines um, allow for artists to be great. And I, I've seen that more prevalent than years past where artists were just calling, you know, picking the most famous album in their catalog and putting a two behind it and calling it a day. Yeah, you know, I'd say one other theme that I've seen is themed albums. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you you talked about manipulation of the algorithm through frequency. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that also by just putting out projects that are kind of more compilations of songs rather than coherent, consistent thematic albums. And a bunch that we're going to talk about today uh, are really intentional, very purposeful, that follow specific themes. And I, I think that's great, man. Uh, we talk a lot about whether or not albums are still relevant in 2022 when you can just drop a song here or there and playlists is really the way that people consume. But I do think there's something special about an album when an artist sits down and takes the time to really plan something out and, and do an expression over, you know, X amount of songs. I think it's just different than when you just put together a collection of songs. So. Absolutely. I mean, that music indoors too. Like you look at somebody like Marvin Gaye and you know, you know, his, seductive sexual album you know there's a few of them but let's get it on and then you have the breakup album with here my dear and you have the political socio album with what's going on like you look at great artists and there's different chambers there's different periods of their careers and i like to see that with hip-hop not to make everything about emotion or that simple because this year those themes are not always so on the nose but i i can see myself with a lot of these albums we're going to talk about five, 10, 20 years from now, coming back to tap into what those albums are about. And I think that's pretty cool. Word. And so, you know, one other thing I want to talk about before we get into the list is, you know, we talked about why we still do this. One of the debates we had was whether or not we should rank these albums. And, you know, I was, I was, I I raised the question. I was still on the fence about what I wanted to do, but you were very, very intentional that we should not. Um, I agree with you, but why don't you say why don't you say why why don't you like let folks know why you were opposed to it? Yeah, I mean the reason that I enjoy doing this is it's nice to have good news to tell people, and I guarantee you with this list, the last few, I hear from artists that put out notable albums that have hit me, frustrated that we've omitted them or frustrated that we didn't include them. Why I do this is it's nice to go to artists and tell them that they're appreciated. And that might sound super duper hunky dory, but I think it matters. Um, I may have shared this story in this podcast before, but in 2005, when Sean Price put out Monkey Bars, um, at the time I was the features editor at All Hip Hop, and we really went hard for that album, not just me, but the whole team. And Sean hit me at the time and said, you know, that means so much to me because my whole career, I've been the guy without the baritone voice in Helter Skelter. And I made this album on a shoestring budget. I put my soul into it. I almost retired if it wasn't going to connect. And the fact that it connected and the fact that your platform is making sure other people discover it, that means the world to me. So I think of that every year. That's why I want to do this. And with that in mind, to have good energy coming into it, to then rank them and say, "Ah, you know what, their album's better than yours or or theirs is better than theirs. I feel like that kind of defeats the purpose. Um, The one thing I don't want to lose, though, is, you know, oftentimes we put this on the site, we ask the question, what did we miss? And I don't know if we'll do that this year or not. We haven't figured that out. But I do like to know what people feel as though we may have overlooked or what they they're advocating for. Just like you in studying for this or me, I read all these lists. I look at tweets. I I love to see people that I trust that have, you know, respectable taste and context and 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 check for what they're checking for. That's just what community is about. So, yeah, I mean, that was really my thought in that. Yeah, for sure. And we settled on a specific number. I'll say that there are other contenders that didn't fall uh, in that number. 
Um, but, you know, there's a lot of great music here, and I stand very, very uh, firmly behind the, the 15 that we chose. So, word. So cool. Um, yo, let's get into it, man. Absolutely. Uh, want me to go first? Yeah, you go. Absolutely. I want to give props to an album that I haven't seen on nearly enough lists, in my opinion. And it's one of the albums that for me has been among the top all year. And that's Cheat Codes by Black Thought and Danger Mouse. Um, for those playing, paying attention, I mean, we waited, I mean, from organics, you know, almost 30 years for a Black Thought solo album. And just like I said, this is now his fourth. Those albums have come in tandem with producers. So it began with Ninth Wonder. Um, you know, we got Salam Rami, uh, Sean C and LV, and now this one. And, and this this um, deviates from the Streams of Thought series. Um, instead, it was kind of, I think, presented as a Danger Mouse album. And, you know, I know a lot of people are aware of Danger Mouse from Gnarls Barkley and stuff he's done with... Um, you know, the Black Keys and, you know, a host of his rock work, Gorillaz, et cetera. But I first learned of Danger Mouse even before the Grey album. He was producing for uh, Gemini, the Gifted One, you know, a Brooklyn MC that kind of comes from the 90s underground. And he was doing stuff with Prince Poe from Organized Confusion. Make no mistake, Danger Mouse is a hip hop producer. And for me, of the four albums, this might be my favorite produced. And we've had those other albums on a lot of these year end lists over the last three or four years. But this one is something truly special. And I believe that Black Thought continues to get better and better. Um, we recently, it was just five years since this Funk Flex freestyle, which is hard to imagine just how much the world has changed, but also how fast five years can go. And he's really making these very provocative statements about race, about self-identity, about being a survivor and a fighter. And that all comes across on this album. Um, and with that, I think Danger Mouse went in his bag. No matter what he's producing, what genre, he has this ability to get these like warm, fuzzy sounds. Um, you can't always tell if they're samples or they're generated, but I just, this is a marriage to me of great beats and great rhymes. Um, the three songs that I would spotlight if you were new to the project is No Gold Teeth. I spoke about that in our last episode. It was among my favorite episodes or favorite verses from thought of 2022 um we covered on the site you called it an instant classic at the time collaboration with mf doom called belize uh thought and doom had worked together several times before doom passed but this is a posthumously released joint and then the darkest part which might be my favorite collaboration on the album that's with raekwon and kid sister um and that that captures the spirit of this album in a whole um you know obviously danger mouse produced the whole thing but other guests of note, um, you know, like I said, Doom, Ray, Conway the Machine is on here, Joey Badass, Russ, uh, Aesop Rocky, who Danger Mouse produced a lot for previously and Run the Jewels. It's a stacked guest list. And, you know, it's 12 songs, less than 40 minutes. I maintain this album's all killer, no filler. I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to be part of our platform and really get behind it, too. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a very, very strong album, very efficient. You know, when The Roots first became uh, the house band for The Tonight Show, I was very, very skeptical. I thought that a lot of people would just see them as Jimmy Fallon's band and not recognize them for the incredible hip hop group that they've been since the early 90s. But I, I got to say, I think it's worked out incredibly well for them. What I think it's done is allowed them kind of a home base 
a steady check and the ability to go off and do passion projects that have been phenomenal. You know, uh, that they did Hamilton in that time. Black Thought has now done several of his own solo albums with producers, to your point about MC producer albums, you know, Ninth Wonder, um, Sean C. Um, LV and then Salam. LV, yeah, Salam. And, you know, so some really, really great stuff. And I got to say, you know, I think this is one of the strongest that he's done so far. I think he is in a creative renaissance that he might not have had otherwise. And so really, really happy to have him in this, in this, this position. And I think this album is a great manifestation of that. Mm. So you mentioned Joey um, as one of the guests. Joey has had one of the busiest years in a long time um, after a five-year hiatus. You know, one of the things I mentioned is my theme. So he was on this album. He was on um, the DJ Premier album. He's been, he was on Ab Soul's album. He's been on a lot of key projects. And um, I think that uh, his best performances he saved for himself. Uh, number two out of the 15, we, we got our top 15 this year, is Joey Badass's uh, 2000. And again, these are not in any particular order. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, we haven't ranked these. This is just how we chose to discuss them. But 2000, you know, Joey first appeared on my radar back in 2012, a little bit before his mixtape dropped. Johnny Shipes, who was uh, the owner and founder of Cinematic Music Group, hit me up. Um, Cinematic Music Group had Big Crit and Smoke Dizza and Joey and has always kind of had their finger on the pulse of up and coming artists who end up being ones who stick around for quite some time. He told me about this kid, Joey Badass, who was young at the time, a teenager, I think 15 or so, 15 or 16. I ended up doing one of their earliest interviews ever. Uh, it was Joey with all of pro era around him, including Capital Steve's Rest in Peace. Um, and the mixtape, like I said, was called 1999. So this year he released 2000, which was a sequel of sorts, to your point, to that mixtape 10 years later. And this was after a five-year absence. His last album had been 2017's All-American Badass, also a great project. And Joey went out on a limb. He had a trap song on there. He really kind of updated his sound in some ways. This one was kind of a return to his boom bat form. He um, partnered with Static Selecta on a number of tracks. Uh, I think they made some of their best music ever together. Um, and, you know, Joey has been incredibly busy in that time period, acting. He was in Mr. Robot. Um, he's got a prominent role in Raising Canaan. He's done, he did a short film that won an Oscar. Like he's done a lot of incredible stuff. So I wasn't sure he was going to come back to music because a lot of times that paycheck is better for the other stuff. But man, what a return. Um, you know, for me, the, the highlights on this album are Head High, which was the first single. Um, you know, Static and some others had built it as the, the best song of 2022 uh, before it dropped. I think it's always dangerous to do that because it really, really sets expectations high. But for me, it absolutely lived up to uh, that. I won't say it's the best song, but it's definitely among my probably top five, top 10. Um, and it's about violence and hip hop and the toll that it takes. He did a remix on the BET Hip Hop Awards where he had a really powerful performance with people wearing numbers on their back with names. And it was the numbers of deaths that it occurred in hip hop through gun violence. And there had been 60 at the time, even more that happened after that. Um, but, you know, just really speaks to the longevity and the power of that song. 
Another one for me that was a standout is the opening. It's called The Baddest. Starts off with just piano. One of the things I've noticed about you, Jake, is you like songs where there's no drum. Um, and this one's got drums like toward the middle. But, um, it, you know, Joy's just like killing it with just nothing but a piano and Diddy doing ad-libs, which is dope. It's got um, a reference to uh, the ooh, and I like it, the barge sample that Grandpop, Grand Poobah used on... Um, on um, his song. On I like it. Album. Yeah, yeah, 2000. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's just what this is. It's, it's a throwback. It's, it's paying homage, but Joy's still advancing and being contemporary. The last one, uh, the last two I'll call out are Make Me Feel. Static destroys this too. This is a uh, Stephanie Mills flip of her song, uh, Something in the Way You Make Me Feel. Um, Joy talks about investments and wealth management. He's spitting like real gems on this this record and this album in general. And the last one I'll talk about, you know, I mentioned Capital Steve's, who tragically took his own life a few years ago. Um, very close friend and and musical partner to Joey. Joey has a very touching tribute called Survivor's Guilt, uh, that is a tribute to Steve's and you know, still reflecting, remembering, and keeping his his name and legacy alive today. I think is really dope, but but you, you got any thoughts on 2000? Yeah, I mean, you said it really well. I think this was a spiritual home, homecoming. Um, it's the kind of sequel that's not like, hey, let me go line for line and, and recreate what I did 10 years ago. But instead, I think it was Joey showing you that he's still the same person. And yeah, All-American Badass, I thought he was he was trying to find his, his, his way a little bit. And I believe we included that in our best of 2017 list um you know very good album but this feels like what i can't get anywhere else and um i totally agree with what you said about joey and static in particular there is a strong chemistry there and it's a really dope album and it feels you know i was one of the first folks to write about joey when survivors guilt or excuse me survival tactics dropped um in 2012 and that was a song with joey and steez and i can't remember if it was Johnny Shipes or Devin at Nature Sounds, one of those two guys who both put out some of the Joey stuff in the days that followed, you know, I've known a long time and, and just like you, they, but it, it, it struck me immediately that this was something special and he's delivering on that. And like, he was clearly this kid that was at the time that was so informed by nineties hip hop. And you get that in this album, even down to those samples, like you said, Diddy's presence, um, you know, he makes allusions to Grand Puba. It's just a really enjoyable listen, and there's a lot of wisdom and heart to it as well. So I feel this one. This was one I think you and I unanimously agreed on since it dropped. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, keeping that in line, um, you know, the commentary of violence and hip hop, uh, Lupe Fiasco, Drill Music and Zion. Um, Lou is interesting because I cannot think in the mid 2000s um when food and liquor dropped what a breath of fresh air this mc was you know um he came in the game with an album not on rockefeller that was executive produced by jay-z um you know had the had the huge feature on kanye's song um but came in and just blew me away um and i'm not a skateboarder i'm not like it wasn't the kick push thing but i just thought that this is somebody who's taking chances and making very polished, thoughtful rap on the highest level while being original. And you and I, in talking about our best verses of, of 2022, we're talking about Lou. And, you know, over time, similar to Joey, 
Lou's done a lot of things. Um, you know, he made pop music. He's he's made murals, these really dense, conceptual, lyrical, spiritual miracle tracks that mean so much to people. Um, and this album, he really kind of came back to um, his essence, I think. And and I know that Lupe has been doing that for some time. Justin Hunt, our our colleague and friend, you know, has been, I think, the biggest Lupe Fiasco advocate in the industry for quite some time. And I know his Drogas series, um, you know, checked a lot of boxes for heads. But for me, this album really, really, really nailed it. And it's Lupe um, and Soundtrack, who is a first and 15th producer, actually produced Kick Push and Superstar. These guys have been working together for almost 20 years. And you can hear it. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, you have those two things that we were talking about, a producer and an MC. And Lupe is also credited as a producer, similar to probably like how on Gangstar albums would be DJ Premier and Guru producing. I'm sure he had a lot of input on the sounds. And it's not a sequel. Instead, I was actually blown away with this album. And then I came to realize something that I never did. I, I liked this album before I ever knew this fact, but it was actually recorded in three days. Um, so, and, and you know, Lupe is deeply influenced by Japanese culture. Um, he was the first artist I can remember rapping about Japanese denim and some of these brands, but it's the concept, I hope I'm saying this correctly, of wabi-sabi, of, you know, appreciating the beauty of imperfection. So, you know, we think of Method Man on those Wu-Tang albums where you can hear the, like the sniff in the verse and that, that just rawness. And I think Lupe nailed this with this. Um, and you and I dedicated our last episode of Verses of the Year on Phonem. Um, Lupe literally stops the music and says, you know, there's too much violence in hip hop. I mean, his thing is, is rappers die too much. That's the direct quote. And in a year where we continuously from violence, from health, from a litany of reasons are waking up to devastating news, something that we did in 2021, something we did in 2019, something that we have since Scott LaRock in 1987. This just continues. And Lupe uses his platform to really call that out. Um, throughout the album, he has that stream of consciousness, but it's despite a three-day album, it's got a lot of polish to it. Um, and it sounds good. The samples are, are very, just kind of that Midwest jazz and flavor. The two other songs that I would big up are both on our playlist, uh, Naomi and Gotti. I'm not going to do the kind of breakdown you did with Joey on those, but I think that this is a, a true remarkable body of work but, but what would you add man not much uh, i i also was late to the fact that it was recorded in three days and it was actually through justin's tbd video i encourage anyone uh who's watching uh, or listening to check that out on youtube the company man uh tbd um it talks he agreed that actually was the first to say that it was the verse of the year i didn't even know he had done that until after we'd written our piece but uh great minds i guess um and you know, the fact that Lupe did this in three albums in three days and such high concepts, such incredible rhymes. I knew he was a great improvisational rapper, rapper, you know, a true like off the head freestyler. I've seen incredible freestyles on Sway in the Morning where he will take topics, point to things like and create not just words that rhyme, but actual complex concepts off the top. It's It's crazy. So that part you know, I know he's capable of that, but for someone to put together an album this cohesive, 
And this conceptual in three days is just is mind blowing. Uh, I think he's truly an exceptional talent. I don't think he's celebrated enough. And um, I don't recall seeing this album on any other lists either, which I think is a real travesty. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think this album is fantastic. And one thing I will add, you know, he has one guest on this album, and I hope I'm saying this right, Nayira, um, she's on it. But one of the trends we're seeing is either you know, albums with a plethora of guests or some major artists, some dominant voices, veterans like Lupe that are not bringing, you know, they're really using the platform themselves. So yeah, this is, um, this is one to check out. And like you, I didn't see it enough places. Yeah. So next up is another high concept album. Black Star came back with no fear of time. And as I mentioned, they have been away for 23 years, you know, for a lot of folks, myself included, the first time they heard Mostef and Talib Kweli, um, now Yassin Bey for, for Mostef, was when they released Mostef and Talib Kweli, our Black Star. On Not Rock. Stakes as High for you? Uh, no, nah, it wasn't. It was, you know, it was Stakes as High the first time I heard, but the okay. first time it registered for me. Like, you know, there's a lot of MCs I heard before, but I didn't take note as to who they were until later on. And I'll go back, you know, but... But it was that, um, that was the kind of coming out party for me. And um, I think a lot of people saw them as a group. And so it was devastating when they split and went their separate ways. But truly, they both forged their own uh, independent careers before and definitely after. And so this was a cool reunion to have. They've, they've come together for concerts and songs and things like that over the years. But, you know, people have been clamoring for another Black Star album for a really long time. In that time that they were away, so much has changed. You know, um, you think about what's happened in 23 years. Back in 1999, Rockus was a powerhouse independent label, arguably the strongest and most meaningful independent label, the last one of an era, um, and they're no more. Um, record stores like Fat Beach, where you went to get this kind of music, this is just at the inception of the original Napster and BearShare and LimeWire and all those things. That's completely gone. And now vinyl and CDs have given way to streaming. Um, so one of the interesting things about this album is that they chose an alternative distribution um, path. They, they Instead of going through Spotify and Apple and Tidal, they chose to release it on Luminary, uh, which is a podcast platform that Talib's uh, People Party has been on for quite some time. I suspect it was done for monetization. You know, um, a lot of artists really don't believe that streaming is very profitable for them. And so, um, you know, I'm sure they got a nice hefty check for this and maybe even percentage of revenue based on subscriptions. I don't know what the business model is, but my assumption is that it was better than what they would have gotten had they done it. I think um, the, the, the sacrifice they may have made is that not as many people heard this album as would have had it been on uh, the traditional uh, digital service providers now. And I think that has impact. You know, I think that a lot of people um, find their music through algorithms and playlists and things like that that pop up. And so if they're not reading stuff like our site or other publications or like, you know, super on social media, this album just not even going to register for them. Other people might find out and just don't want to pony up the whatever it is. And I got to like, I, I remember that I did an annual subscription that I got to <laughs> cancel now. <laughs> um, you know, they don't want to pony up the six ninety nine or whatever it is per month um, in order to do it. There's a lot of reasons why. And so 
I think because of that, it may have cost them um, not only listens from valued fans, but also some critical acclaim that is much deserved for this album. Um, they were not amongst the Grammy nominated albums. I don't know if that was an oversight or uh, because of this or just, you know, the Grammys have a very checkered um, kind of history with hip hop. I don't know what it was, but um, in any case, they didn't make that. But also I'm seeing that they're not on a lot of year end lists for publications that I would expect to be in the know and ones that I would expect also just to be in the, the on the, the, the Black Star bandwagon, given what they mean to hip hop. Yeah. So that was surprising to me, too. And it makes me think that it might have been part of this release strategy. Um, they did have a huge look with um, Saturday Night Live. They were on SNL with Dave Chappelle as his musical guest. And I know for a fact that's the first time that a lot of people heard it. I was looking at the comments on the YouTube section and people were talking about how amazing the music was and how there needed to be more talk about it. So uh, I think that was the one detriment. But for those who did listen and we did a full podcast dedicated to it, it was a phenomenal album. Um, I still have the same assessment I did when we talked about it back then, that it's a slow build, meaning that um, you know it starts off kind of slow and and the songs are more dense and hard to grasp. But as you as it as it goes on, it opens up more and more. And I'll say by the time you get to Supreme Alchemy, which is one of my favorite songs of the year, whenever I hear that song, I just hit repeat and repeat and repeat. It is the chords are so incredible. Interestingly, it's just Talib on it, but it's just so, so dope. Then you move into Frequency with Black Thought, and that's dope also, and No Fear of Time. I think that one, two, three combination is one of the strongest three-song closers of any album of the year, and uh, part of what makes this uh, definitely a must-have for, for our list for me. Yeah, you see a lot of top-heavy albums, albums that build really well, um, there's, there's some albums that I think get a little lost in the sauce as they close. The one thing I, I will say about this, too, is, is this album's produced by Mad Lib, which is news that we got, I believe, in 2018. Um, you know, we've kind of gotten this part and parcel the word that Black Star was coming back. That's how long ago I remember. It was one of the times I met your sons. You came to Philly and had what you have now told as a whack cheeseburger that I, I swore by. And later that day, as you went about your business, we got word that the night before, um, I can't remember if it was Yasin or Talib, one of them had revealed that it was going to be Madlib. And I it think Madlib was Yasin. Madlib more than delivered. And that's a lot to live up to because that original Black Star album, you know, high tech, that's when I became aware of who he was. And you had Jay Rawls and the Beat Miners and I want to say 88 Keys, just, just hitters, you know, just heavy hitters on beats. And Madlib is doing some amazing things right now. At this point, two years, three years removed from Bandana with Freddie Gibbs. And it sounds great. And I mean, we got a taste of it back in 09. Him and Most Def um, on the Ecstatic album, you know, have a special synergy. And this is one that I'm happy we finally got. I'll be eager to see what these guys do from, from here. And yeah, if you haven't heard it, check it out. Check our podcast out with it because we did a true deep dive. Um. So, you know, speaking of hiatuses and not nearly as long, one of the reasons why we're doing this episode now in the final, you know, 10 days of 10 days or so of December is we wanted to wait for one album in particular. And that was Absol's Herbert, um, which is Ab's given name. Um, Ab is six years removed from Do What That Will. 
And, you know, at the time, I have to say, like, you know, we got little spots from Ab where he might drop a Lucy or, you know, do a song on the Black Panther soundtrack. I never really paid it much mind how much away he was. And, you know, with this, he's had a rollout throughout much of 2022, um, started putting out some some more straightforward songs. And then recently, in the last six weeks, he put out a joint called Do Better which I maintain is one of the best songs of this year. And, you know, one that I, we recently did our episode on best verses, and that's the one that's kind of haunting me because it's a really powerful verse that I think is complex, that gets a little bit lost in its repetition, but I think it's, re it's repetitive by design. But he came with a record about um, just trying to go harder, trying to be the best version of yourself, um, it's one of those introspective records. And then he put out a video with it of somebody jumping off of a building, not just somebody ab. And it in the video, it 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 unwind, you know, it rewinds so it doesn't happen. But it's very uh, I would consider it to be graphic. And then in the last two weeks, we've come to find out that that was autobiographical. Um, you know, at a time when we've watched artists, uh, we've lost artists to their own hands. Um, Ab has revealed that, you know, he was in a, a, not only a depression, but also an addiction and a different kind of addiction than I'm used to hearing, but one that involved, um, you know, vaping nicotine, which I really commend Ab for being so forthright and transparent. And, you know, he talked about it in the song, says the video is real. He now walks with a limp from after jumping from an overpass onto a highway in Carson, um, lost his teeth, heavy duty stuff. And he, he makes this revelation and delivers an album with it. And, you know, Ab from the onset of his career 10 years ago, 12 years ago has been a lethal lyricist. I mean, he comes from Carson, California, the same area as Razkaz. They are both lethal, thoughtful, conceptual MCs, guys who um, refer to things in their lyrics that are very far reaching, you know, like Lupe, who I know has been an influence on Ab as well. But I have to say, this is, this is Ab's most personal album. I'm, he used his first name for a reason on it. And he talks a lot about just what he's been up against, what he's been going on, uh, going through. So Do Better is one. Hollandaise is another. Hollandaise is a song that was one of the singles previously released. And on the album version, they added a new verse with a beat change. That verse is all new, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if the verse is new, but the beat yeah. change is definitely new. Yeah. Beat change totally took me in a different direction. Um and then, you know, he he actually made a really unlikely, in my mind, um, collaboration with DJ Premier. Um, and one of the things that this album is very much about is, through it all, this is somebody who just has to rap. Needs hip-hop, loves hip-hop. It's not preachy that way, but you realize that it's one of the beacons that's got him through. And the song is called Gotta Rap. And it's Primo doing what Premier does. Um, and let's not forget... You know, on Schoolboy Q's last album, they referenced, I think on the song Crash, they referenced Boom by Royce the Five Nine, which was produced by Premier. So I'm curious to watch the TDE camp and the, you know, Gangstar Primo camp, if there's more to come of this. But that song is actually where Ab gets most in depth about, you know, the things I just shared about his personal life. And, you know, this album was definitely worth waiting for in my eyes. I think it opens really, really well. Um, I will say, you know, and this is 15 albums, there's me, myself, there's a spot in this album towards the end that there's three or four songs that aren't all that for me. 
but he's got an 18 song project this is one of the longer albums this year and it's very um comprehensive it goes in a number of directions this one does have guests big sean russ you mentioned joey badass punch from tde's on here uh zakari um but the power of those i would say 12 to 14 songs outweighs the three or four that i think don't quite do their job i i really do think this is a meaningful album and one that returns absol to form and also i think kind of sets him up to 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 go some places now i feel like he's he's addressed the silence he's in a good headspace curious to see where he goes now um and, and one other thing i'll add apart from premiere he is working with some of the same tde folks that he came in with you know uh ty beast Soundwave, he's got Boy Wonder on here, DJ Dahi. Um, both Wonder and Dahi are up for producer of the year at the Grammys. Notably, um, James Blake produced on here, as did Russ. So, you know, it's it's Ab sticking to the script of what he's always done and building on it. I think a similar theme of what we saw with Joey Badass, but certainly not presented like in the, the sequel follow-up way that Joey did. But anything you would add? Yeah, you know, I think this is very, very different than anything he's done in the past. Um, I think it is much more accessible, both musically. Um, you know, he very intentionally created something where the music was pleasant and easily accessed uh, immediately. You know, before he talked about this in the interviews, he was very much about, you got to hear my bars and, you know, everything else is kind of secondary. But then also, as you, as you stated, um, very accessible personally to who he is and really giving insight into who Herbert Stevens is in a way that we've never heard before. We, we know his thoughts, particularly conspiracy theories and things like that. But this is the details about who the man is behind those words. And you now I got to know Absol decently uh, for a couple of years when I was a BT. Um, he always like was a dude who was joking around cute schoolboy Q also, but like, you know, uh, a real light about him and a very kind of light, um, essence. So to hear about what happened and really understand, uh, what do better means. And that video was really heavy for me and made it even more powerful. I agree that that's one of the ones I would have put on that best versus list, you know, if we were to do that today. But to your point, there's a reason why we did wait this year. And we wait typically later in most years because I think it's pretty consistent. There's at least one that drops in that last two to three week period that's noteworthy. And I'm really happy to have this one on here, too. So next up is Rock Marciano and Alchemist, The Elephant Man's Bones. So this is another one of those MC producer collabs where, um, again, uh, Alchemist produced the entire album. He did this also with Currency earlier in the year. And, um, you know, he's just been one of the most prolific producers in hip hop for many, many years now. Uh, he had eight songs on Benny's Tana Talk 4, um, including maybe the, the beat of the year, maybe for you for sure, uh, Johnny P's Caddy. Uh, where no, no maybe about it. That's it. The beat of the year for, yeah. yeah. So with uh, J. Cole and, and, and Benny just going insane on it and lots of, and lots of other people taking that beat for freestyles and trying to like show their wares on, on that fire beat too. Um, and then Rock Marciano, again, giving props to Justin, uh, the company man. He did a piece called uh, Rock Marciano is the, the greatest MC of all time. He has a series where he takes unlikely suspects and makes a case for them being the GOAT MC. 
and Rop was the latest recipient of this. And, you know, since his 2010 album, Mark Bird, you can't really point and, and, and see a miss. Like he's just been so consistent and he's so vivid. Like every single word counts and paints visuals that are like, like, like movies. Um, and so putting these two together, has just been incredible. It's also one of the best live shows I saw this year. It was a who's who uh, I walk in and three of the first people I see are um, Marco Polo, uh, Static Selecta and DJ Premier. Uh, I'm next to um, Snow Allegra. Like it just is like a who's who of like people out to see Rock do his thing. And he just held the crowd like a true MC. Uh, amazing. And some of the songs that stuck have stuck out to me. This is one of the ones where it was hard to, to do less than five or six for the playlist. I try not to overwhelm it because we we keep a very finite number of songs just so it's not sprawling and just to keep our, uh, us honest and um, updated. But this one, um, you know, the standout tracks for me are Quantum Leap, Bubble Bath, Liquid Coke, Zig Zag Zig, but it's truly not a bad song on the entire album. This is one you can just press play and let it go from start to finish. Phenomenal effort from both of them. Yeah, I mean, Rock came into the game too as an MC producer. He's still a producer, but you know, he's done previously, you know, joined with Mugs and and I had forgotten, but Rock Marciano was kind of the featured guest of Gangrene's Greenberg album, which Gangrene is Alchemist and Oh No. Back in they were Mass Appeal label mates, maybe even when it was called Decon still. But to watch this is a real benchmark because I think that Rock keeps getting better, Alchemist keeps getting better, and they made something that is a true standout body of work. Um, and in the past, you know, I've, I've been covering rock since he was in the UN, but when we've done these year-end lists, that has been an artist at times, especially with some of his self-released um, material, stuff similar to Blackstar that he sold direct on his website and sometimes been late putting it on the DSPs. He has been an artist that in the past, sometimes our readers have, have taken umbrage with an inclusion, an exclusion here or there. Um, and this is 100% deserved and, and really one of those. There have been several people this year that have told me this is their AOTY. So um, it's definitely one of ours. So next up is Open Mic Eagle, component system with auto reverse. Open Mic Eagle is really interesting to me. Um, he's an artist that I had heard a lot about uh, 10 years ago, you know, coming in. <clears throat> he... Um, you know, I knew that he was a Chicago guy and I had known some of his contemporaries like Serengeti and No Can Do. Um, and people had always said to check for him. And then he signed with Mellow Music Group and put out a series of albums over there at a time when that became, um, you know, a very meaningful label in, in, I won't say introducing, but setting up deserving voices and producers throughout the 2010s. Um, and then more recently, you know, Open Mic, I have to say, has become one of my favorite podcasters, his What Had Happened series, where he does long form episode by episode dives into careers. He's done LP, he's done um, Dante Ross, and he's done Prince Paul. Some of the best audio journalism you're going to hear, like, like Mike Eagle, if he wasn't rapping, he would still be one of my favorite podcasters. He has another joint secret skin. So all of that said, you know, I've paid attention to him. I've really liked his style because he makes it apparent that he's influenced kind of by two schools. And as, as ironic as a Chicago guy, he's a real student of the Def Jooks movement of the late 90s, early 2000s, as well as kind of the Freestyle Fellowship Project Blowed crew in LA, um, and really likes that 
kind of free form rapping and just do what you will every man rap and he's put out a number of great projects in recent years this one was a cut above the rest for me and what's interesting this is another album similar to lupe another chicago native that i didn't know the concept until i was already very familiar with the album but that title may resonate to anyone that had a tape deck um you know or the double tape deck back in the day and mike was inspired by making mixtapes on his tape deck um you know in the old school you know pause tape like let me make you a mix sort of way and i'm curious too because this album it's very inward cerebrally of like what's going on in Mike's mind as all of his material is, he can give you a very soulful, meaningful revelation on one bar and on the next, make a comparison to a video game, a TV reference and inside a rap reference. He has this ability to be deep and whimsical at the same time, like reminding you that he's an artist of substance that doesn't take himself too seriously. So I often wonder if that idea is like, let me just put a bunch of dope jams together and set it up that way. Um, but one of my songs of the year is on our playlist right now. It's called I'll Fight You. It's produced by Diamond D. Um, it has, it, it's artwork is the um, Rock'em Sock'em Boxers. And it has a repetitive chorus similar to Jay-Z with Breathe Easy, where it's instructional, but in between it is a stream of consciousness of somebody who's trying to make a career happen, thinks they're very talented, but is also, you know, dealing with all the pressures and stresses of life that we all deal with. That's one for Doom is another song that's a concept record um, where he looks as a fan and as an admirer and it's somebody who ran in the same circles in the last 10 years as Doom of telling his story and really showing you why this man um, is such a influence on his life. And the other one which you have on the playlist too that I would recommend is multi game arcade cabinet which is a dope reference to anybody who ever spent some quarters in an arcade um but this one's interesting and it's got an ensemble this is one that that is true of so aesop rock diamond d armand hammer who was part of last year's list rap ferreira as well as video dave and still rifter on here that's that's like open mike eagles crew and producers when i think of his college time you know diamond is very prevalent on this album diamond also put out you know a, a really uh quality work this year the rear view we did a podcast with him He's got Mad Lib on here, Quale Chris, Child Actor, and Illingsworth. So a lot of those producers did more than one song, too. It's kind of the Illmatic approach of, let me get a, a few folks in, and it's a super cohesive record. This is one that I found just a really enjoyable listen. Like, I love headphone rap. I love, I love the type of albums you can be in the car with. You kind of feel like you're having a conversation with somebody. And I think Open Mike Eagle thrives at that, and this is just exceptional but anything you would add not much man i i i I'd just say first of all you put me on the mic i'd heard his name before and seen it a lot but i I'd never really dove in but you've been such a strong advocate of his that i really started to check out his music and i think it was two or three albums ago when i really started to pay close attention the thing i like about him in addition to what you said which i agree wholeheartedly on all of it is just the diversity of subject matter, you know, so much of hip hop is just about sex, drugs, money, and violence. And he talks about stuff that is much more, um, I think, kind of real life um, and less fantastic and, uh, you know, cerebral and more mature too. You know, I think he's, he's one of those guys 
who is uh, in that grown man rap camp, but a little bit younger than some of the guys in their 40s. Now, I'm not sure how old he is. He seems like he's mid 30s or so, uh, but just a different perspective that's that's authentic and one that resonates with me. So I, I think he's dope. Um, I th I'd say a nut. So next up is JID, the forever story. And this one for me is um, a real contender for album of the year in general. Like um, I think this was JID's coming of age album. You know, a lot of people knew him initially as a Dreamville artist, J. Cole's artist. And he is definitively his own man at this point and stands with anyone. I think that he is for his generation what Kendrick, Cole, and Drake became for their generation. Uh, you know, one of the standout elite artists. I'm not even going to see MC because he transcends even just rap, which I'll get into in a minute. But also now he's multi-generational and that I think he can challenge and stand with the greats of just about any generation. He's that's super talented. We knew for, for a long time that he had bars. He's got verbal gymnastics. Very few people can out-rap this dude. Uh, and I, I'll put him against anybody. He's that good at just pure rapping. But with this album, he had that. He had storytelling. He had multiple flows. He had different kinds of beats from trap to like uh, very instrumental-driven things. Um, you know, he is. he had a tiny desk performance that was standout. And then on top of all of that, he added singing and like truly soulful singing. I don't mean auto-tune like a lot of folks, but like singing from the heart, you know, just his voice. Um, and so I think that this was an exceptional album for an artist who's going to be around for a very, very long time. As you said earlier, I think it's the Grammy's biggest miss. Um, not only did they not nominate it for anything, uh, but like I said, I think it would have been a strong contender to win Rap Album of the Year. Like, it is, it is that good. Standout songs for me include Crack Sandwich, a song we talked about. It made our best verses, where this guy is not only doing an incredible rap, but he's telling a story about a true um, situation that happened with his family, where they were in a club and someone got into an altercation with the sister. And even though the family squabbles, you know, internally, when someone's against the family, the family comes together and it's like, you know, all for one. Uh, Brother Nam, which is one of those songs where he showcases his singing and, and talks about like, um, you know, taking care of, of, of your brother. And then- um, That's the one with Little Dirk, right? Yeah, with Little Dirk, uh, which is great. Better Days. And then uh, my favorite, and this is a, one, a contender for song of the year for me is Cody Blue 31, um, where you hear him singing and at first you're like, who is this singing? You're looking for the guest vocals and everything. And you realize, Oh my God, this is JID. Like Jid is like that guy. Um, and this album I think is going to go down as the one that truly established him as an all-time great artist. I agree with everything that you said. I think that this is, you know, a strong contender for me of album of the year. You know, JID signed to Dreamville in um, 2017, first part of the year. He may have been signed before that. That's when the public became aware. And not long after that, not long before that, was Earth Gang signing. And, you know, both of them ran in the same circles as Spillage Village, both of those groups, I should say, um, JID being a solo artist. And I feel like for a lot of years, it was like the Dog Pound and Lady of Rage. Like, they were looped in together of like man dreamville is stacked but this album um and, and not for nothing you know jid has put out quality music before 
but this album differentiates, you know, very similar to as TDE comparison you made, like we watched Q, J-Rock, Absol, Kendrick in their own time differentiate themselves. And, and this, is, this is a true, true statement. And also, I mean, I, I would lump this in with the sequel albums. That same 2017, J.I.D. dropped the Never Story, which great exercise in rapping, some depth there, some autobiographical stuff. But to watch in five years him now make the Forever Story, this, it shows him going deeper in his bag as an artist, his toolkit, like you said, with the singing, the melody, his ability to flow. He is truly, he may be the best rapping rapper of 2022. Um, you know, just just what he's capable of. And I know you made the comment earlier about the, the non-drums. And there's times where I like that, but I really like rappers in pocket. I love MCs that are of that ilk that I grew up with. And J.I.D. represents that very well. And he's also super unpredictable where I don't think anyone has the flows that he has this year where he can stop halfway in the song, switch it up, and still just make it super interesting and keep the listener on the edge of their seat. So I, I'm getting a lot of Midwest, I'm covering the Midwest ones. Um, you know, another super technically advanced MC is Elzai. He's been no stranger to these lists um, in recent years, you know, just coming off of a collaborative album with Crisis, Jericho Jackson, that was on Jamla. So unbeknownst, this came without warning to me, Elzai appeared this year with a new album, Zeitgeist, and it's produced by none other, none other than Georgia Ann Muldrow. Um, and she's somebody also spent time like Open Mike Eagle with Mellow Music, down with Stone's Throw back in the day. She's produced some incredible joints um, for her partner, Declaim, for uh, Erica Badu, you know, a host of others. Kind of has that cosmic jazz funk sound. And this is one that I never saw coming. I mean, these are artists that I don't remember working a ton together. And Elzai, for as good as the Elmatic was, and I think that was produced by Black Milk, he's really benefiting from these collaboration projects. And, you know, even though it's called Zeitgeist, it's heavy on concepts. You said Elmatic, um, I think it was Will Sessions, right? Yeah, 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 good call. Live band, Will Sessions. Um, yeah, I mean, Elzai tends to work with one or two people. I think Lead Poison may have been a couple of folks, if I'm not mistaken. But this is one, like I said, I didn't see coming. And um, she, George's, George's kind of science just works with L. It's, it's very um, just dusty and smoky and funky, but a lot of good drums. And Elzai has that pocket that I just mentioned with, with JID. And, you know, he comes in with these incredible concepts where, you know, one of the songs we talked about last week was King-ish, Say Word. And, you know, he'll come in with a, a you know, he has another joint here, Pros and Cons, where he'll take wordplay and concepts and wrap them. But it's not, it doesn't feel like, Elzai is getting even better at this, where it doesn't feel like I'm showing you that I'm doing an exercise. It's I'm giving you a message and maybe on your second or third listen, you realize, oh, it's deeper than that. This is, you know, and, and we're, we see that with Lupe, we see that with Kendrick, but Elzai being the esteemed vet that he is just thrives on this one. And, um, you know, the only guests are, are Declaim, aka Dudley Perpin, Perkins that I mentioned. Georgia holds it down. It came out on Nature Sounds, which, you know, puts out stuff with your old Droog and, you know, Pete Rock and Ari the Rugged Man. This is a sleeper album. I think that it's one of those that, again, why we do this 
is this album is incredible. I've come back to it. It's been out for the better part of this year. Every time I come back to it, I knew that it would be part of this discussion. It, it, it's cemented, and I don't see a place in hip-hop where people are giving it its propers. One of its biggest drivers was our playlist, and if you haven't heard this, if you're a fan of Elzai, if you're a fan of just good, funk-driven hip-hop, this is your joint. Yeah, I mean, the, the production is is pristine. Like you said, just absolutely incredible. I have it from a good source in the know uh, that I won't reveal, but who told me that this is uh, something that Elzai recorded a few years ago mm. and just kept in the tuck. So again, like, um, it's interesting to me that people are, are, are bringing this heat in 2022. Uh, I got no complaints. This is one of the ones where, again, we had multiple songs on the playlist. And I, I'd say that, his music lasted longer on the playlist than anything else this year, uh, except for maybe um, one joint by uh, Joel and Crooked. But like, I just could not bring myself to take it off. Like, I just don't get tired of it. It's got like su a supreme repeatability uh, where it just doesn't get old. And to your point, Elzai just is so great at effortlessly like just getting bars off. Like, it just seems like it's so cool and laid back. But the stuff he's spitting is so like intricate and um, and deep. Like he is supremely gifted. So yeah, this is definitely one of my my favorites too. You see why he's one of your favorite MCs, favorite MCs, hands down. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, you're getting the Midwest ones. I'm getting the the MC producer projects. Um, well, now you're getting Midwest and, and Midwest. Yeah. So um, next up is Apollo Green, uh, Apollo Brown, and Fillmore Green. Uh, cost of living uh, I've dubbed it the brown and green album um, but Apollo Brown man is one of those producers who also doesn't get enough props for the last 10 years or so he's been very very consistently dropping full projects with MCs that always are contenders for me uh, for, for placement on album of the year list and in that time He's dropped full products with OC, Razcast, Joel Ortiz, Stally, Rapper Big Pooh, Ghostface Killer, Sky Zoo, Locke Smith, Planet Asia, Shane Noir, and now Fillmore. Fillmore and not a single one is missed. Uh, every single one. And he's also like very uh, true to his sound, very um, soulful, you know, like uh, very epic uh dark chords like um you know dusty samples with like you know emphasis on the the high the high ends uh like you know who use a vocal and pitch it up or down like just incredible um and you know for Fillmore Fillmore is an artist who really kind of came on my radar last year with his album Knowledge and Power uh shout out to his um his uh, press person Andre um Barnes who um who who hit me to this but I really like that project because Fillmore is real laid back. Um, kind of sounds almost like an updated large professor to me or mm. like um, yes. he and Ransom could be brothers, you know, like just real cool laid back flow, deceptive because he's, he's spitting bars and things, but he just says in such a cool way that like sometimes like it might fly over you into the second or third listen. Very substantive, um, incredible wordplay, vivid portrayals and rhymes, um, you know, I'll give you one line. He says, um, Mr. Green, my music is made for prison and Princeton and in between. You either been through it or been a witness. I mean, like, um, that's, that's, that's uh, yeah, he's he's got those bars, man. Um, standout songs for me on this. 
our Immaculate, which is on our playlist, Paradise with Evidence. Evidence is a perennial favorite of ours and, you know, always great to hear him and, and feel more definitely like goes, you know, uh, bar for bar with him and then keep going and just imagine. But this is another one where you can just press play and let it ride. Um, you can play it on a dinner party, in the car, uh, you know, out for a run, whatever. Like it fits a lot of different situations. Dope album. Yeah. And it's on, it's through Mellow, which again is a brand we can trust. We've been talking about it with some of the last few artists. Um yeah, and speaking of brands you can trust, um, this is one of the albums that I don't think will come as a surprise to anyone that you know follows this podcast or follows AFH, uh, Nas and Hit Boy, King's Disease 3. Um, so since 2020, peak pandemic, Nas and Hit Boy have just locked in. Um, this will be their fourth project, which includes the three KDs as well as Magic, which dropped about a year ago this week. And these guys just have a special chemistry. You went to the release party where Nas has spoken about it. Um, Hit Boy, you know, they come of slightly different generations, but Hit Boy has this way to just keep Nas in the studio, kind of vibing off of what he's looking for and, and really allowing, I'm paraphrasing, but to travel back, even though they grew up on different coasts, different eras, Hit Boy has this ability to kind of lay out um, a sonic texture that allows Nas to do what the mind will do. And we've seen that on the previous albums, you know, him going back um, and reflecting. And this album to me, I mean, we did a whole episode reviewing it. Um, our headline was, you know, Nas is in his prime in his forties and, and not even his forties, Nas is 49 years old and, you know, making some of the most complete bodies of work that he has since the top of his career with those first two albums, in my opinion. Um, and this one really shines and you you see that on songs like uh, Once a Man, Twice a Child, which is one of my most favorite joints on here. And, you know, Nas is just coming at things with a calmness, with a coolness as a father, as as somebody who still has fun in life and is making money and still similar to Absol, like will not let rap go. Like this is not the most uh, lucrative thing Nas is doing with his life at this point, but he is still challenged to make his best work and you know this same this same stride delivered him his first grammy uh back in 2021 for the first kd and you and i said i mean those albums may have had um some different standout moments they also had collaborations you know i think of kd2 with Nas and lauren hill this one there's no guess it is Nas and hit boy um just doing what they do best it released without warning it released without any promo I think Nas has yet to do, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but like a full like sit down interview for this. It's just letting the music speak. Yeah. And, oh, oh, do you, do you want to ask him? No, I, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think, uh, well, first of all, I think we talked about this in depth uh, in the podcast. We encourage people to go and check that out. We talked about the album for almost two, hour, two yeah. hours. Um, I, I agree with what you said. I think that Nas is in his second prime. This is a headline we've run. I believe that distinctly. I think that um, he has, I think there's something to this MC producer theme in that I think it provides consistency. I think they, they lock in and are able to make a complete body of work. And these two have now done it over four different projects in the last three years. It's really astounding um, that anyone could come with this much high quality product in that amount of time. Um, but and, and Nas has been one of those artists who's not been every year. He's definitely taken time to like pause and breathe and live life and do other things. 
but Kings Disease 3 is a perfect closeout to this like incredible trilogy. And um, yeah, uh, there was no question this was going to be on the list. And who's to say it's a closeout? I mean, and, and, you know, we may continue to get more from these guys. I, Nas on the album alludes to, you know, the album with Premiere still might happen. But what's interesting is we talk about chapters and themes. Um, Nas has really, you know, reached a new plateau of just what grown up Nas looks like through this series. And, you know, I know there's people, you know, Nas's catalog will always have the jewel of Illmatic and depending on what kind of fan you are, other moments. But Nas, who has at times been scrutinized throughout his career, you know, as recently as in the last five years with the Nasir album with Kanye, um, this body of work, you know, is on an upward trajectory and it's really delivers and it shows an MC of the now thriving you know we talk about that with black thought we can talk about that with royce the five nine but it's great to see with nas and i think that he has silenced a lot of um folks that, that doubted him and i think that that for as 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 great of an mc as he is one of the greatest i think that that weighed on him and i think this kd series has allowed him to kind of get the last word and where he's going from here time will tell absolutely so next up is denzel curry melt my eyes see my, my future and this is one that epitomizes while we go back and do the year end kind of like roundup. Uh, I'll confess that this is an album. Now, typically my process now is I'll go through an album, you know, pretty quickly, find the beats that hit me like the hardest immediately and add them to the playlist. And then I'll go back and, you know, do a deeper dive. Sometimes I'll go back and add other songs to the playlist and swap them out, but that's rare. And sometimes I just won't make it back to an album. Denzel Curry is an artist that I've really, really grown to love over the last few years. Um, you know, and so I did maybe go back once or twice, but it wasn't until about three weeks ago that I really started to spend time with it again. And man, this is one of the most outstanding albums of the year for me. Um, he stands with J.I.D. as one of the most gifted artists of his generation. Super, super diverse. You know, he can... He's got an LL Cool J type energy where he, you know, he can be bombastic and bring, you know, the, the, the heat and the fury um, to his raps. But he's also can do something completely like out of the box, like he did a cover of Rage Against the Machine's Bulls on Parade on this YouTube series called Like a Version back in 2019, where he absolutely destroyed it. My channel got was it on the site. perfectly. Yeah, it was incredible. And he can do everything in between. Like, and... You know, he is also one of those MCs you can't put in a box, kind of like Open Mike Eagle, where, um, you know, he can do any talks about substantive things that, that there's a song, you know, he talks about suicide, objectifying women, needing to be more empathetic. And that's just on the opening song, you know, and a song with Robert Glasper that I'll know. Um, um, no keyboard, no drums on that one for you, Jake. Um, and <laughs> I just, you know, just the diversity is just, is just, is, is mind melting, you know, um, you know, so uh, he's one that I think is special and going to be around for a very long time. I'm trying to think of an analog to him from prior years, someone who just like can go in any di different direction every time, I, you know, maybe I was going to say Travis Scott, but I think he might be even more diverse than Travis. Like, he he's almost prince like in how chameleon he can be as an MC. It just is it, mind mind blowing to me. But um, you know, standout songs for me include Melt Session One. That's the first one I was just talking about with Robert Glasper. Walk in Angels and a song called The Last. But 
This one is short and tight. It's like 45 minutes, just like, uh, like as you would say, all killer, no filler. It's interesting. I mean, I was thinking of Tyler, the early days of Tyler with, with Denzel, because, um, yeah, I don't know what to expect project to project, but I loved Zoo in 2019. I mean, Ricky was one of my favorite songs that year. And, you know, and you look at that album cover. I mean, we're talking about 2019 now. And it's an homage to Poison Clan, which like what what 20 something is aware of Poison Clan and those early 90s Miami records. And on one hand, you know, he embodies the Miami energy. But if you were to listen to him, I'm not sure that you would know where this guy comes from. And this album, you know, the one Melt My Eyes, See My Future is interesting. Like you literally have Kareem Riggins, you know, Dilla and Common's homeboy and Saul Williams on the same album as T-Pain and Rico Nasty. And it all works. And I love the fact that you know, Denzel is a is an authentic chameleon where he can blend in any environment while still bringing strictly his own energy. And I'm so happy. Um, you know, this was one of those that we've been talking about a lot over the last you know week or so. And this album deserves inclusion. It does. And he's another artist that I think we've had him once or once or twice in the history of publishing articles on Ambrosia for Heads. But he's somebody that's been on our playlist once or twice too. And to have this platform to give this album its, its flowers is important. Absolutely. Um, so another album that I'm I'm proud to give flowers to is Cormega's The Realness 2. So it's a sequel album. And whereas, you know, with J.I.D. or Joey Badass, um, you kind of have those, you know, I'm aware of what I'm doing and I'm kind of making a, a circle back years later. This one is that, but it's it's more precise than that too. We... We had a really, it was one of my favorite interviews we've done this year. We had a conversation with Cormega and you compare this to the original realness, which um, actually dropped in 2001 in the weeks before 9-11, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, a very different world when that album came out and Cormega was a very different artist, you know, was coming off of, um, you know, coming obviously back from the prison bid, had left Def Jam after some time there um, and was was chippy you know i think mega would admit to that you know he things weren't necessarily right with his relationship with nas and with some other folks and now you've got the grown-up man you've got a father you've got um somebody who's made peace with his friends somebody who's on a grammy award-winning album um you know through nas in the last two years and is making really incredible art Similar to Absol, um, you know, it's it's underlined with a love for hip hop. This is big on concept songs. Um, you know, he has another track on here that is uh, a metaphor, you know, for his love of hip hop. But it's interesting, you know, one of the songs that I really love is The Saga Resumes. And, you know, we talked about this in our interview, but the original Saga, which is one of the mega songs throughout his career I hold most dear, is a song about somebody who's trying to make it work and rap, but the, the lyric is, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't hustling no more. Boom. 20 years later, you've got an artist that is looking at all that they've accomplished because of hip hop, because of putting down the street stuff and making great art and having a unique voice and putting out poetry. And I think this really, really comes across. Um, Glorious is a song um, that, you know, after, the full circle reunion with the firm on Nas's album, the one I just spoke of or referenced, you know, he has a one-to-one -one collaboration where both of these guys talk about how their bond goes back deeper than rap music and what they mean and, you know, why the, the, the true bond was never in question, even though they went some years at odds. 
Um, and what's understood is just another highlight. Notable guests on here, apart from Nas, he's got Lloyd Banks and Mob Deep's Havoc. Production is an incredible lineup, very much mirrors the first one. Alchemist, uh, Large Professor, Havoc, Domingo, Shaw Money XL, Street Runner. Um, Harry Fraud is also on here with one of the best beats, closes out the album. It's just a real wise body of work and something that I've very much enjoyed listening to you know, on the car, in the car, on the train, um, it's, it's, it's pristine headphone rap. And I give mega props for well into his career, challenging himself um, with, you know, his, his mind state, but also with the flows. I think for folks that may have been, you know, lukewarm or tepid on Cormega in the past, I think this album will absolutely, um, you know, be, be a pleasure. Anything you care to add? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it with headphone rap. I think that this album has some of the best beats uh, of any mega album in a long time. And every single song has jewels. You know, yeah. I think I talked to, I talked about this when we, when we spoke with him, but he just drops so much game uh, throughout this album that is necessary and uh, I think beneficial to folks. And he comes from a place where He's learned some things the hard way. You know, he's lived life. He's, he's gone through the things he's done. And he's now sharing ways for people to avoid those pitfalls and, and have, live a better life. And, you know, again, just the realness, I think, is, is, is right because he's giving it to you real. And I love this kind of like authentic, credible hip hop with substance. Like that's that's the thing for me, man. Again, like. And it's no judgment, like you can live whatever lifestyle you've been, but I think there's a lot of stuff out there promoting falsehoods and stuff that just isn't true to who they are even, you know, now. And But but Mega, you get that sense that everything he says comes straight from the heart. So mm. work. next up is Pusha T, It's Almost Dry. This is another one we did a whole podcast on, so I won't spend too much time on it. You know, just some of the highlights we talked about there were that this is Pusha's personal verses between Pharrell and Ye. Um, man, it's almost hard to like uh, mention, you know, I don't think that uh, anyone of us would have thought that Kanye would have the year he's had since then. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, one thing you can't take away from him is that he does make great music and he definitely provided Pusha with some of his best work of, of the year. Um, this is one of the earliest albums on the list to drop, but I'll say it's still the test of time. I, I listened to it again yesterday, as recently as yesterday. And, you know, uh, Brambleton, the opener, is just uh, such an incredible, like, uh, open. Um, you know, Pusha is consistent in his subject matter, which is, is, for me, maybe one of the biggest drawbacks. You know, I, I don't think that Pusha's living the lifestyle that at least I would hope that he's not living the lifestyle he talks about on records consistently. And so I would challenge him to be more authentic and honest about how, where he is in his current life, to show people who have taken that path where they can go and where they might be if they, you know, uh, persevere. But aside from that, man, um, the rhymes are always pristine the beats he's one of the best beat selectors i don't think he gets enough credit for that he ross and you know a couple others um are really really great at finding tracks where they can be totally in pocket but and also bring out different flows yeah you know you look at songs like brambleton and neck and wrist and it's completely different flows and then songs like open air was perennial on the playlist even the song that we um we didn't love it first with uh, uh, the sample. Um, what's uh, let the smokers talk the coops? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, that one uh, with the with the really high prominent sample. Uh, yeah. um, I, I like that a lot more too. You know, that one grew on me more also. Um, but then songs like Diet Coke, uh, I would have in that top five, you know, songs of the year too. And then, you know, surprise, like when you read the track list and you see Lil Uzi Vert, you, you think, ah, is Pusha just doing this for numbers? But that song feels so organic to the entire album. And they sound so great together. It's just a huge surprise for me. So I think Pusha is a master at staying consistent, but also staying up to date in his sound. And um, a lot of that it goes in his beat, beat choosing as well. Um, anything you want to add for it? Wholeheartedly agree on the beat selection. I will say, you know, Pusha's been in a great stride. He gave us... Um, he gave us some of those songs on his album in 2015, uh, where he was talking about, you know, Mike Brown and, you know, police brutality and all of that. This one, I expected just where he is in his career and what the hype leading up to the album was for him to push more ahead in that. I didn't really get it, but I think that the sonics and the flow and Pusha's confidence and bravado, it absolutely deserves to be here. I would say that I may have preferred Daytona, you know, four years ago, but there's other artists on this list, you know, that have made projects that we may feel are better otherwise. Um, it's interesting that, you know, Pharrell and Kanye had the battle that they did thematically of producing, because I think it's an incredibly cohesive album. Um, and and they went, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the beats are are shuffled throughout. It's not just like half one, half the other. Um, and we, like you said, we did a whole podcast talking about it but it really is one of the better examples from the upper class of rap, you know, Nas and Pusha are veterans um, that, you know, on a high level, these are guys that we expect to top the charts or come close to it. And both of them delivered. And there's a lot of names on this, on this, that are not on this list. And I think that speaks volumes to those that are here. Absolutely. So last, but certainly not least, uh, I don't think this will be a surprise to anybody. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale, and the Big Steppers. This is my personal album of the year. I've probably listened to this album 50 or 60 times and will continue to listen to it. Um, you know, being as big of a Kendrick fan as I am, when I first pressed play, it was a shock. It was sounded nothing like what I expected to hear from Kendrick, particularly after the drop of the heart part five, uh, just, uh, you know, five or six days before that, which was very soulful and more straightforward. Um, you know, when you hear United in grief, like it's unlike anything I'd heard in rap music, very discordant, very disjointed, um, you know, the, uh, very melancholy. And Hendrick is talking about really really personal stuff some stuff that is is uncomfortable like we we cry together a lot of it like he talks about infidelities he talks about trouble with his his, his wife he talks about um you know his struggles with being deemed rap's savior when he's not that seeing his cousins and others make the same mistakes he made initially when he started to have success in his career talks about transsexualism in the family, um, you know, being accused of being uh, molested when he wasn't, like just all, he goes in all sorts of places for this, um, but it's an album that is super complex lyrically and musically, and you got to work for it. Like, you know, Kendrick is like eating a lobster dinner or crabs where you got to actually break open the shells. And usually I don't like to have to work for my food, but you know, if you do, <laughs> 
there's right. typically a, a great payoff. And um, this album just continues to pay off again and again for me. You know, um, I've talked about some of my favorite songs. Mother I Sober is at the top of the list. That's the one where he talks about um, being accused of being abused. And it features Beth Gibbons from Porter's Head. And it's got a lilting piano. And there's strings all over this album. It's just a very beautiful album musically when you listen to it. I personally think it's going to win best rap album. I think it deserves to. I think it should be a, I think it should win best album, um, album of the year as well. I'm not sure that it will, but, you know, we've talked about this one, you know, at length. And so I won't go too deep on it, but any, any closing thoughts you have on the album? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's a double album too is, and it's, it's murky, right? Because we're living in the streaming era of not going to the store and having two CDs. And it's interesting. Um, I actually, I laughed, but your analogy is a really good one about having to work for your food. Um, Because one of the things I struggle with, I don't, I've never enjoyed, you know, films where you're looking for clues and you got to really break down the metaphor. Um, I like, I tend to like feeling like things as they are. And this album continues to crystallize for me, even as recently as the Count Me Out video, which dropped. And at first lesson, I'm like, okay, you know, this is, this is cool. And yeah, I catch an, I catch, you know, an illusion here, an illusion there. And then you watch it five or 10 times and you realize that every single thing is deliberate. And it's not a puzzle. I mean, I think that Kendrick makes it more as an artist, you know, makes any medium than anything else. But it's continuing to unwind. And I think that this album will make even more sense to me a year from now or three years from now than it does right now. And I can't tell you the last time that happened. I mean, it probably was damn, you know, and, and you broke that down right away pretty, pretty eloquently. Um, but the other thing I'll just add is it's so funny because in hip hop double albums, I've always gravitated towards the first disc. You look at Wu-Tang Forever, you look at All Eyes on Me. I tend to believe it's the Quincy Jones role of pushing the better music to the front. And back in those days, let's not forget that there was, you know, a commercial benefit of, you know, two units sold for a double album. With this one, um, the Big Steppers is really what I gravitate towards. You know, songs like the those that you mentioned, as well as Crown, um, not not negating the the first part of the album but i think to appreciate the big steppers you've got to get through mr morale you've got to understand kind of the act two the you know our character can't get any lower to understand you know the progression into where he is now and i think it truly is a remarkable body of work and never what i expected in a million years but um kendrick continues to make hip-hop on the high not just hip-hop but art on the highest level Absolutely. 100%. So any, any closing thoughts, closing remarks on this? Man, no, I've, I've enjoyed this. I, I think that it's a really, I'm proud of it, a cross section of great hip hop this year. Um, I'll challenge you, you know, Lord willing, may we do this again next year um, and see what that year has to hold. Yeah. So we usually close on a song of the week. But uh, I want to I want to go song of the year this time around. I think it's fitting. So what, what's your song of the year? You know, there are several artists and I know that we will read the comments of folks that feel as though artists and albums that are meaningful to them that got left out. Part of discourse. Um, there are a number of songs I really love this year that are from artists whose projects didn't make this list. And that's OK. I mean, Songs and albums are different things. Um, one of the songs I have truly loved all year 
and I cannot stop listening to it is Alive Ain't Always Living by Quelle Chris. And it's a simple piano song. I've, I've made it song of the week here before. He breaks into Spanish at that one point. You can't tell if it's a down song or an up song, but it really sums up what 2022 is or was for me, continues to be the good and the bad. So that's my joint. What about you? You know, mine is uh, is a later entry. It's uh, it's Do Better by Absol. You know, uh, I think sonically, it's just absolutely amazing. I think what Soul is saying is incredible just on its face. Like if you knew, had no context whatsoever, I think the messaging, the mantra is just very powerful and self-affirming. But to know it against the backdrop of what he's been through um, and to yes. know him personally, like, man, just next level for me next level so do better for sure that, definitely a contender for me as well um absolute great song and loved it before i knew the context isn't that something yeah absolutely absolutely well, well man thank you for everything this year thank you to all the people that are watching that tune in that listen to this podcast we wouldn't do it if not for you and uh man i'm i'm just grateful we're grateful for you too grateful for all that listen grateful for hip-hop so Amen. All right, man. Until we Until meet next again. time. Peace. Right. Peace.